Welcome to Heavyweights, the show that's living in a new world with an old soul. I'm John Ringolitzo. And I'm Armin Tului. Unfortunately, Sam Mangle Lennett is hugging a toilet right now and can't be with us. Yes, and this is it's a perfect show for a week that's been very long and very chaotic for all three of us. So let's just jump right into it. Um, speaking of uh, old world, young worlds and old souls, um, we want to start with this week the overnight sensation that was uh the song rich men north of richmond by what's this guy's name oliver anthony so armin let's what are your thoughts on this song it's not every day that a uh you get a new right-wing populist anthem going mega viral that um i think it was what i mean we're recording this on friday august 11th so yesterday (laughs) the 10th uh, I was checking Twitter in the morning and I see this clip that's going around and I don't know, it probably had like maybe a hundred thousand views or something. It wasn't that big. And uh, I gave it a listen and I was immediately blown away. So, I mean, the, the song's fantastic. The guy's got a great voice. He can play the guitar very well. And um, he really just kind of lays it all out there is what, uh, what, what the experience is being like a, a young man in the, uh, in the current year living under the yes. uh, oppressive libtard regime north of richmond yeah yeah so i i went back i saw this yesterday and it was like the middle of the day and i was just not super about like sitting down and listening to it but i actually went, went back and listened to it um online that night and uh i was very impressed and and the more i listened to the song the more it grew on me you know i like folk music um folk music is is definitely one of my favorite genres of song but like when i first listened to it i was just like i don't know if i really vibe with this or not but like the more i listened to it the more i was just like yeah you know he he really does good with the the sort of like yell singing that's like i don't know like sail by a wall but like acoustic mm-hmm. and um it's as far as like I'm not a musical theorist, but like the composition of the song is, is fantastic. Um, one of the reasons I love folk music is, is the use of hammer-ons. Um, those little, those little twangy bits with like the do do do, you know, um, I love those, that sound effect. Um, and he uses those a lot. And, and, you know, the, the wordplay in the song is, is really awesome. Like, Rich men north of Richmond is such a. Uh, I don't even know if it's it's. Assonance, is the the term for. The literary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where it sounds the same for it, but like he uses it so. Yeah, and it that it's just so it's so catchy, right? The just the line "rich men north of Richmond" is so yeah. catchy, and then and, you obviously um, gotta you gotta respect the line. Uh, about the miners, where uh, I wish politicians would look out for miners, yeah, not just yeah, miners, miners on an island yeah. somewhere. Amazing, right. and this, you know, in the line, yeah, the line about like if you're five foot three and three hundred pounds, like that's you know you, you know where it's going, but it still it still punches you in the jaw with it, and I'm just like, yes, I bet, I bet there's somebody he knows personally, like in his town, that like came to mind when he was writing that lyric. I bet there's like yeah. somebody that that lyric is like specific i mean it describes a lot of people but if i bet there was some 
just like real fat piece of shit that he knows that he was thinking right. of when he wrote that. And also the line, the the line in the pre-chorus, the living in a new world with an old soul is like, is that a brave new world reference? You know, like we go through the whole, as far as like cliche dystopian novels written in the 20th century go, you know, everybody's sick of it, but like brave new world is one that's still criminally it's the best undervalued. One. It's the best it, one. It is the best one. It's and by it's, far like 1984 and Animal Farm and Fahrenheit 451. They, they all got some interesting points, but they're all kind of beaten to death at this point. And yeah. nobody ever wants to mention Brave New World, even though I feel like Huxley kind of was a lot closer to what it really was going to look like than any others. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it, exactly. And that's, that's you know, I wrote an article or I wrote an essay in college about how Fahrenheit 451 was more applicable to our current situation than, than Fahrenheit or um, 1984. But New World is way, way more accurate as far as contemporary politics, especially with the sort of the sexual politics of sexual of politics and um, the, how overly medicated everyone is, too, that he, he saw yes. that coming, that yes, uh, it's but... much easier to pacify people you want to rule over with sex and drugs than it is through force. Yeah, but this guy, I mean, this guy really he really nails the sort of the protest song, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not, you know, it isn't like lame, you know, communist folk shit done by like Peter Singer or Peter Paul and Mary or Bob Dylan, you know, it's, it's an actual, it's a right wing protest song, which is awesome. And it's yep. not super cringe. Like try that in a small town or um, was it born again, American, which was a popular thing in like 2009. And I, I heard it in, fourth grade was it like a tea you know, party it's not one of these something like that it was i think it was before the tea party and it was like a i don't even remember what it was about um but it was just one of those cringe like country you know protest songs about how everything sucks and you know we need to get back to god to quote roy moore the um my only my only fear is that we'll build this guy up oliver anthony and then he'll turn around yes. and actually be a hicklib at some point. He'll uh, and he'll he'll crush us all. Yeah, and, right. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. The rich men north of Richmond actually is an anti-capitalist anthem or some yeah. shit like that. It turns out, it turns out Which, to be a hicklib. Like, uh, do you know the artist Tyler Childers? He uh, yeah, he, he has was, some yeah, songs kind of in got. the he, he has some songs kind of in the same vein. No, nowhere near as bass as this. But honestly, I like I I liked his music. I still like his music, but. I recently found out he is sadly a, a hick lib. And um, now I listen to his music out of spite, knowing that if he knew of my existence and my politics and that I listened to his music, it would bother him. So now that kind of keeps me going. Armin is an anti-boycott enjoyer. Very good. Absolutely. I can separate the, the artist. I can separate the artist boycott. from the music. That's fair. That's so, yeah, that's my whole, my concept of the anti-boycott. Uh, which you can read about on one of my sub stacks. I will publish it around the time that this goes up. Um, and yeah, the anti-boycott is the idea that instead of boycotting somebody's, especially in the entertainment industry, like music and TV and movies and stuff like that, instead of boycotting, because your boycotts have no power with these ideologically motivated media, watch them and then dissect them or critique them or make them about right-wing messaging 
yes. because these people are not motivated by money. They're motivated by ideology. So if you take away their ideological influence, you will drive them absolutely nuts and you make it so much worse for them. You know, it just completely destroys their morale. And if they don't want to fight the battles, we win. You meme them default. into being a, so, a symbol of the, of the right wing and they'll hate it. Exactly. You meme, yes, you meme everything that exists into being right wing. And eventually it just is in theory. Um, but yeah, that's what, so Comrade Stump, you pointed out, Armin, Comrade Stump actually did tweet something to this effect. Can you like? Oh yeah, let me see if I uh, still have it up here. Um, while uh, while I'm looking for this, we can kind of fill the dead air. Uh, anything else you really liked about the song, the presentation? Any uh, any any more thoughts? Well, he is um, he's a good looking chap, and the uh, the aesthetics of the video are very um, very based. He's, he's in the woods. I think he's I think he's on his farm in West Virginia. Uh, no, in, re- in regular Virginia, I think. Uh, okay. I looked up the, the – he's wearing a shirt that says Goochland on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I presume he lives somewhere in or around Goochland. I looked that up. It's like rural rural Virginia, kind of um, mm-hmm. a little bit northwest of uh, Richmond, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I found okay. the uh, the tweet I was looking for here from uh, Comrade Stump. Uh, you should follow him on Twitter at Gran Torino DSA. Uh, the lyric was – Quote, these rich men north from uh, or men, men north from Richmond, Lord knows that they want to have total control. He's literally talking about D.C. politicians. You people are so retarded. Yeah, absolutely. If you have even just a basic knowledge of geography, you will completely understand what he's saying. He's not talking about all rich people. He's specifically yeah. talking about the parasitic regime in D.C. and calling them out. And yeah, he's, he's right. right. They, they want to know it's what just, you think. Yeah, they like, want to know what you do, and they want to have total control. Absolutely, right. that's that is like a defining characteristic of the the current regime. Right. Uh, so I'll repeat what I said, but in the lead up to the show, like these communists who are trying to, you know, co opt aggressively co opt this song as some sort of like anti capitalist anthem. Like, listen, sometimes things are what they are like a piece of ideological art is that ha- or uh, art that has an ideological perspective has that perspective and you can't ham fist it in now i've written extensively uh publicly about how barbie is a secretly right-wing movie it's not really you know and that, that's a feature of right-wing criticism you know, that we need to accomplish the sort of right wing critical theory that we need to build out. Sometimes things are what they are, you know, also it's bad when you do it. When we say that a movie that, that your left wing movie is secretly right wing, we are correct. That's when you say, yes, we are good and true and right. When you say that our overtly right wing piece of music is secretly left wing, you are wrong and bad and dumb. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, um, I think that's kind of about it as far as what we can add to the discourse on the song here. But I think it's actually a a really – oh, you have one more point? Yes. So we talked about like fears that – like your fear that he would actually become like a Hicklib. My fear and the fear that was articulated by a couple of my friends is that this guy is going to become a sort of like symbol for the boomer cons, right? Mm. He's going to become Jason Aldean. Like he's going to – you know. Or that that Fox News is going to boomer con 
meme this song into oblivion. You know, I think it was it was Aaron McIntyre who tweeted something to the effect of, um, "I'm glad we have this, um, we have this cool right wing song, but can we skip the whole cringe part and just have this cool thing that's that's right and good." You think um, um, if yeah, uh, if Trump is paying attention, President President Trump, if you're listening, invite him to a rally, get him on stage, have him yes. perform the song. Yes, that would be incredible. Yeah, here's, here's imagine our, here's imagine Trump pulls up pulls up to a rally in, uh, in, I mean, I guess primary. He's probably not campaigning in Virginia yet, but if he were, pulls up to a mm. rally somewhere in like rural Virginia, and he says, "We have a very special guest for you." And then he calls up Oliver Anthony on stage, and he just starts belting out this song to it, just a crowd full of Trump supporters waving their flags and MAGA hats all over the place. It'd be incredible. It needs to happen. Yeah. He says, yeah, so Arvin McIntyre says, I know a lot of people are rushing to make this the political anthem of the year, but just for once, can we appreciate that we got a piece of art that is real and beautiful and tragic and not speed run the whole cringe thing? Yeah, so look at you, you, Fox News. I think, uh, I have hope. I think he might be too too provincial for uh, for Fox News. I feel like they might be worried about putting him on TV. Mm Mm-hmm. That he could be a they 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 don't want to put a loose cannon on TV. I feel like they might be worried. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I think that's a this uh, this song is a natural jumping off point. That um, clearly he's yes. critical speaking, of the uh, of critical art. of the regime in DC. You know who else is critical yeah. of the regime in DC is the Claremont Institute. We were treated uh, yes. this week to a very long um, profile of the the think tank uh in the new republic so this is um they put out a tweet yesterday august 10th um linking to the article and this is how they described it quote the claremont institute represents something new in modern american politics a group of people not internet conspiracy freaks but credentialed and influential leaders who are openly contemptuous of democracy dun 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 and then they um they uh, they jump right into it with the piece, but um, someone um, someone should tell them that uh, being openly contemptuous of democracy is actually a uh, American tradition that goes all the way back to the founding. Uh, I don't yeah, know if they've is, read yeah. much of um, the Federalist or any other writings by the founders, but I don't think any of ironic, them had very yeah. nice things to say about democracy. Say, ironic, that, ironic that the New Republic is. Uh, doesn't understand that we live in a republic, not a democracy. But um, yeah, it's the standard sort of left-wing tripe. I mean, it's just just long-winded, completely verbose, overwritten article about how you know the right the, the Claremont Institute is misogynist and racist and homophobic, and it's somehow threatening to our democracy because they want to tear down liberal education and put women back in the kitchen or whatever. You know, which none of those things have anything to do with one another, and none of them have anything to do with democracy as far as voting rights well, go. Well, it actually but, it makes a lot more sense when you realize if you just substitute like leftism for democracy, it all right. makes a lot. Democracy more sense. is when Democrats win. You know, yeah, this we've established this long ago. Yeah, democracy is when is when they win and we lose. And the so, more the more left wing it is, the more democracy it is. Yeah. So honestly, uh, I, I think as a good thought exercise, if any of you listening have any, you know, very 
hard lefty friends or family that uh that are you know that they're always very rapidly pro democracy right that anything that's more democratic is inherently good and better and when you next time you see one of them ask them point blank do you think that like QAnon boomers should be allowed to vote it'll make their head explode cuz obviously like internally they're going to think no of course those people shouldn't vote they're crazy right wing lunatics i don't want them voting but they can't say out loud that as any certain class of people shouldn't be allowed to vote because it kind of undermines their entire moral frame that more right. democracy is good. Everyone should be voting on everything. And they don't really they don't really think that they just say that because it, they think it means they'll win. But um, mm -hmm. they don't really they don't actually want everyone to vote if it means the right wing will win. Right. But let's actually dive into some of the content in this article because it is just a gold mine, especially for, you know, like we are obviously all three of us are Claire Monsters. We were Publius Fellows in 2022. And, you know, so basically we're this is a badge of honor for us. I tweeted out something to the effect of like, oh, yeah, back to being a menace to society again. You know, this this is an exciting time to be a supervillain in, in politics. Absolutely. Anyways, yeah. So I think the. Um... We don't we don't need to do like an entire like, you know, reading of the uh, the article here, but there are definitely like some good quotes we can highlight. But I think the um, if uh, if you haven't read it, it's essentially just like a laundry list of like all of the bad people, bad in square quote scare quotes uh, associated with Claremont over the last uh, what? It's like mostly over the last like six or seven years, basically, since uh, since yes. 2016 with Trump. Yeah, and it's right. And it's the same. It's the same like five people that they've been that every other article goes after all the time. It's Mike Anton, um, Chris Rufo, uh, John Eastman, uh, John Eastman. And I think they go after they go after Charles Kessler in this one, which, and, is, on, which know, is honestly really funny, that given that we all know uh, Dr. Yeah. Kessler personally. That, say, like, yeah, he like, is like one of like the nicest, most mild mannered people you'll ever meet. Yeah, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. Charles Kessler is really one of the most mild mannered, sort of generically conservative guys you'll meet. And is, you know, obviously he is not down with the antics of people like Anton and Chris Rufo and Azarad and, you know, and all those other sort of um, the, the bomb the throwers people who are. Yeah. The bomb throwers and the sort of like super hardcore right wingers. You know, um, but it, it's just really funny because, you know, and that's the standard left wing tactic, which is everything to the right of Bernie Sanders is secretly fascist or, you know, overtly fascist, whatever. You know, it, it's just very standard one of the mill left wing slop, you know. And of course, they also go after a lot of the sort of online personalities like raw egg nationalists and bronze age pervert, which is also really funny because, I mean, very limited associations with Claremont other than that they've, you know, Mike Anton reviewed uh, Bronze Age Mindset and Ren, I think uh, American Mind has published uh, publishers a, a couple on the site or something. Well, anyways, yeah, the um, it's it, it, it's pretty much what you'd expect. I mean, I, I, I we I, I think highly of our audience. I think you guys are all smart enough to know basically what the uh, what the party line is going to be from the left when talking about uh, right wingers that actually do things, which I think is a, a very brief and accurate right. description of most of the uh, people in the Claremont orbit is that they are yeah. people who are vocally critical of the left and actually do things. Mm -hmm. And Armin, you can obviously speak to this because one of the 
targets of this article is your employer. Yes, the uh, the boss man himself, Mr. Christopher Rufo, is uh, featured somewhat prominently in the article. You have to kind of dig into the middle to, to first see him mentioned. But um, this is, um, oh, yes. So he's first mentioned here um, in a paragraph where they um, are uh, talking about how, you know, all of the all, all the Claire monsters are secretly, you know, authoritarian fascists who are just waiting for American Caesar. So um, they say so true. the, quote, man of action is Claremont's favorite character in Aristotle, mainly because, as in the case of Christopher Rufo, the former Claremont fellow behind the anti-critical race theory hysteria, the men of Claremont explicitly aspire to become such figures themselves. And, I mean, they're, they're obviously trying to say that in a, in a negative way here, that, oh, well, the man of action on the right must secretly be a, uh, an undercover fascist who's looking to overthrow democracy. And yeah. I can I can tell you just point blank. I mean, I talk about this with the boss like almost every day that, no, that's completely false with him. I mean, <laughs> yes, man, man of action, true, secret fascist uh, plotting the overthrow of democracy is kind of the furthest thing from. Like he, he is actually yeah. perhaps the most earnest Republican, small r Republican I've ever met that he mm-hmm. really truly believes in the power of Republican government and that right. the elected the our elected leaders are given political power for a reason and that they should actually use it which is you know a really mind-blowing novel concept when you look back at the last you know 30 40 years of right-wing politics in America but that's just that that's simply believing in the system of government that we at least have on paper right and you know when we you know, when we say man of action, you know, it has a lot of meanings to a lot of different people at Claremont. You know, we are like obviously me, Sam and I. I know are are very big on the on the actual building culture stuff. That's that's sort of our lifetime project. Armin, you and Chris do a lot of work on the activism side and the journalism side. We all work in the right wing media, so we're all involved in the journalism side. Those are that's the action that we take. You know. There's there are no calls to violence from Claremont whatsoever. Like, you know, everybody says, oh, John Eastman is complicit in the January 6th insurrection. Oh, no. John Eastman did nothing. John Eastman wrote a legal argument about how you can the, the vice president can postpone or send back the slates of electors for review to the states. It was a legal argument. There was no call to action. There was no call for violence. Not only that, Mike Pence is on video backing up this plan, saying he was going to fight with every bone in our body or whatever. Whatever he said at that turning point event on, on January 5th. And there's a classic, go back and a classic Pencism. You can go back and read. There's a political article from like January 3rd or like December 31st or whatever saying that Mike Pence was on board with Trump's plan to overthrow the election. And then, you know, before he became, you know, before he wrote that memo on January 6th being like, I actually do not have this power and, and, you know, and said it and has been saying it ever since, you know, like there's nothing there. You know, there's no we're none of us are calling none of us, no person in you know, remotely associated with Claremont in any in any real serious capacity is advocating for political violence at all. So I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, 
you can just ask all of them yourself if you really want to know or read anything they've ever written. So, right. And it's just, you know, it's this, it's the idea that, you know, and, and they, they go into this a lot in the article itself that, you know, it's Schmidtian politics. Um, they talk about Yarvin and Bap and Wren and. Uh, well, they, they talk about uh, Anton's uh, writings about Caesarism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is that what it you're might, thinking of? Where he, where might, he kind of talks about the Yarvin. I think yeah, like because uh, they mentioned Anton describes like that we may be faced with a choice of blue Caesar versus red Caesar, and yeah. they they're saying oh well he presents that as a you know a um, you know like a, a Sophie's choice type situation where it's like or but what he really means he's saying like oh look at this terrible decision we might have to face where we either get you know right wing authoritarian or left wing authoritarian and. He, he tries to couch it as, oh, well, that's so terrible, but he really secretly wants the right-wing Caesar. And um, that's not true. I, I, I asked him about it yeah. point blank. And no, he, he, he'd prefer neither. That's the, the, right. He means what he says. Like they're, they're trying to take a Straussian reading where there, there isn't one. Right. And again, you know, word to the wise. You know, you can take the second hand, the second and third hand accounts of this overtly left wing political magazine who Armin, you pointed out, wrote a, an obituary for Stalin when he died in 1953 or 54 or whatever. You can mm-hmm. take this overtly. They've reliably been defenders of communism. Thing. Right. You can take this overtly ideological magazine article with second and third hand sources. that It's just a clear and obvious smear job. Or you could talk to us who have actually spoken to these people, still regularly interact with them, who have actually heard their opinions firsthand for the record. In a and might I add, in a private setting where yes. you would expect where they knew they were talking to an entirely sympathetic audience, where you might expect if they had some, you know, secret uh, you know, fascist tendencies that, oh, maybe they would come out then. Nope. Didn't happen. No, <laughs> no. I uh, no, I, I can we can pretty safely say that the the men of Claremont, who I'm honored to be among uh, today, uh, are not the you know boogeymen that they uh, are made out to be. Right, the men and women, because our class had four female fellows. And there are true. women who are there are women at Claremont, just not a lot. And no, none of cares? them. Uh, uh, surprisingly, none of them uh, were mentioned in the article. I don't think a single. Right. I don't think a single woman was mentioned. As I say, they don't mention that Heather McDonald is is associated with Claremont. She was a teacher at, at Publius. Um, there was a, what was her? What was the professor's name? The English professor who we read poetry with. Oh yeah, I feel bad that I forgot her name. Um, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> or uh, Peachy Keenan, who is very frequently uh, published right. in the uh, American Mind, uh, definitely a woman. And uh, actually, I saw she had uh, tweeted out the, uh, the the quote from the article where they talk about the uh, the gender breakdown of the uh, the fellows and the uh, the board of uh, Claremont. And she pointed out that yeah. she is one of the the few, but the there are women associated with Claremont. They're not. They're not racist either. I remember, you know, uh, Philip Munoz is a professor at at, at Publius. Um, Lucas Morell is, mm-hmm. is a scholar at Claremont. He's a. He was one of our lecturers. Spencer Clavin is 
uh, an editor at both the Claremont Review of Books and the American Mind. He's in, he's openly gay, you, you know. So this is all this is all just left wing crap, you know. And we should acknowledge that outright, you know, that we are we are refuting this on the merits, but knowing that there are no merits to begin with. Very true, very very true. Um. Anyways, yeah, the the um, the article is long. I don't know. It's probably what, what do you think? It's it's probably like ten thousand words. It's a long piece. It's got a yeah. This yeah. This it's supposed to be like, it's the size of a like a legit mag magazine article, you know, like the sort of New York Times profile of of Claremont um, that was published right after we did Publius, but not good or sympathetic or objective or good no not at all they um and i think they um they really liked to i feel like the themes that they focused on a lot particularly had to do with um gender relations or um manliness they really they really got hung up on the uh the concept of manliness for a while yeah the manliness this thing, piece. yeah and, uh, right. and they make a big deal about Josh Hawley's book and and also, you know, the connections to people like Josh Hawley and J.D. Vance, who are and Ron DeSantis, who are all big Claremont people who have a lot of Claremont people associated with them. But, yeah, back to the manliness point. Yeah, they're they're very obsessed with the sort of Ren and BAP and the sort of like recovery of I wouldn't say traditional, but I would say vital masculinity. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair a fair description. The um and they uh they really took uh, exception too at the the term bug men that uh yes, they didn't which they, is but awesome. they they didn't they didn't understand it from what I'm getting. Right. So the, the, the I want to read this quote here um where they um now here what do they say? A strange fact to remember is that Costin Alamariu, aka the Bronze Age pervert, got his PhD from Yale. Curtis Yarvin has degrees from Johns Hopkins, Brown, and UC Berkeley. Anton is a graduate of UC Berkeley. Their hero Ron DeSantis has both Harvard and Yale on his CV. Manly man Josh ha Josh Hawley is Stanford and Harvard. Yes, Virginia, these very men are themselves the bug men. When they talk about sticking it to the administrative state or fantasize about having their dictator buddy tell all the liberals to suck on it. They seem to be dreaming about revenge on the professors, administrators, and fellow students who are mean to them on their way up. And it, from that quote, I think it, it kind of betrays their ignorance of what, uh, what people really mean when they say bug man, that they seem to be under the impression that uh, a bug man is simply someone with a degree from a prestigious university when that's yeah. not really the case at all. No, but, it's uh, not. No. I mean, bug, many no. – um, now, it is true, many bug men do have degrees from an elite university, but that is not the necessary and sufficient conditions for someone to be a bug man. Right. Yeah, it's, it's bug man is, is a, a complex term with a lot of meanings, but it gets sort of thrown away in the same way that Longhouse got overused and thrown away um, by critics from the sort of the, I guess what you would call the pharisaical right. Um, to borrow a phrase that I don't particularly like, but uh, is useful in this in this situation, it, it's there. Are, these are complex terms that describe a series of interwoven um, issues and uh, mannerisms and ways of of doing politics 
that the left-wing mind cannot comprehend because they have no interest in comprehending what the right actually believes. They have an interest in power and winning and defeating their enemies. Hey, there's, there's something we have in common. <laughs> it's true. So true. But, um, it's good no, when we so do I, it. It's bad when they do it. For, um, Simple as. So for the, the uninitiated, potentially, who are listening, I guess, I, I don't know if I'm the you know definitive uh, source on what a, what a bug man really is, but... To me, I feel like the simplest explanation would be a completely atomized and soulless, like servant of the regime who is pretty much just preoccupied with mindless consumption and uh, upholding the party line when it comes to dissident politics, or I guess uh, upholding the party line in opposition to any dissident politics. Right. And, it, you know, it's cliche, but Winston, think Winston Smith from 1984. It's Winston Smith who, you know, watches porn and buys the, the latest thing that it's Winston Smith who buys things seen on TV, basically. Or um, browses Reddit all day. Yes. Frankly, a Redditor, your average Redditor. There's your a average Redditor. That your is average, a uh, that is a bug man. Yes, your average twenty three year old Discord mod. <laughs> that uh, you know they the, as long as they can watch their porn and buy their Funko Pops, and you know, and go to their and, Marvel and cons- movies, consume their Marvel movies, and get excited, consume product, get excited for next product. Yes, that is that is the bug man. So no. Simply having a degree from an Ivy League or other prestigious university really honestly doesn't matter at all to be whether or not you're a bug man. Right. You could be like, again, the the aforementioned reference to a 23 year old discord mod, this person who it's a reference to a a video. um, And you can see in this video, this person is unemployed, um, did not go to college, I believe. if they did, they studied some liberal bullshit. Right. And spends his days living in his mom's basement, you know, modding a Discord server. Like, that's a that's a perfectly, that's a perfect symbol for the bug man. Or, um, because... how did, um, how, what, was, what was the term C.S. Lewis used? I think it was, what, men with no chests? Men without chests, yes. Yes. Right. So he, yeah. he saw the phenomenon of the bug man almost a century ago he saw it right. coming the, yeah the bugman the bugman reference specifically is a reference to the idea of eating bugs so it, you know the bugman transcends social classes yeah you can be a uh you know a silicon valley billionaire and still be a bugman someone like i don't know like zuck i would say zuck is probably a bugman zuck is major bugman and then you could also like you said be a completely unemployed neat living at home and uh also be a bug man it, it, it truly is a uh, a cl- it crosses all class and racial divides right all right well i think we've sufficiently taken apart this article and uh extolled the virtues of uh right-wing protest music so uh i think we're uh we're gonna cut it here um thank you for coming 
everybody. Thank you for coming out and listening. Um, you can, of course, check us out on social media at Heavyweight76. And uh, we will see you next time.